नमस्कार एवरीवन टुडेज टॉपिक इज डिड ब्राह्मीन्स मोनोपोलाइज एजुकेशन इन एंशंट इंडिया आई शुड से एट फर्स्ट दैट आई एम नॉट आई एम नॉट अ स्कॉलर हु हैज बीन वर्किंग इन दीज स्टडीज आई सीक दिस सब्जेक्ट एज अ स्टूडेंट ऑफ इंडिक नॉलेज सिस्टम्स हु हैज ऑल्सो एनकाउंटर्ड अ लॉट ऑफ हॉस्टिलिटी फ्रॉम नॉट जस्ट द लेफ्टिस्ट बट दिस इशू इज सच एन इशू इन विच Uh, almost people even on our side uh, unanimously say a lot of uh, factions even on our side say that yes the uh, brahmins did monopolize education in ancient india there was birth based discrimination it was very bad and there are a lot of uh, axioms lot of beliefs that go beyond uh, their claims uh, so today we'll analyze a few of them so at first when we say monopolize education we should know uh, our terms we should know the definitions that we are using that what do we mean by education uh, when we talk about ancient india because as soon as someone says that and let us for a second believe that uh, uh, brahmins did monopolize education in ancient india and uh, as soon as someone says this we start imagining oh they didn't let anyone study anything at all and so there were no engineers there was no uh, there were no craftsmen uh, no one was let to study anything no one was let to study any book uh, but is this true uh, i will just quote a study for just one or two minutes which this talk is not about that but you must all be familiar with the great study that shri dharampal ji uh, did almost around 100 years ago uh, many great scholars have uh, gone into depth on uh, dharampal ji's work so i do not need to do that i am just stating a fact here bringing the evidence here that uh, around 150 to 200 years ago uh, the situation of uh, indigenous education in india was such that uh, almost everyone every jati was studying all sorts of subjects there were private schools there were public schools there were home schools and everyone was studying almost everything uh, except uh, vedic studies except the vedas directly except very esoteric subjects related to the vedas almost uh, uh, in no other subjects did brahmins uh, uh, monopolize or even they were in the majority uh, number of students they were in a minority in all of these subjects almost every jati everyone was studying almost every other subject so this is only uh, the part that i'll quote about uh, shri dharampal ji's study uh, but some still say that this was the condition just 200 years ago or just 250 years ago 150 years ago what was the condition of ancient india i will just quote one or two examples to illustrate that even in ancient india what we consider as crafts skills and vocational training that was not prohibited to anyone uh, there is the evidence uh, uh, kama sutra is a very famous text among those who comment upon india they like to quote a lot of uh, verses from it but they often forget that in one chapter uh, uh, the author suggests that an accomplished cultured woman and some scholars say that he is not even addressing women even men can do this or let us assume right now that he is just addressing women cultured accomplished women he says that a cultured and accomplished woman has to learn 64 arts and those 64 arts include virtually everything in arts fine arts and literature so uh, she has to sing well she has to learn music she has to learn drawing painting and almost all of the fine arts that uh, that are being taught in today's uh, universities so if you consider if you consider the scene uh, 
uh, of education that is prevalent right now you can virtually say that all of the fine arts schools and universities uh, just they are just like they are functioning now they were not like these universities but everyone was also learning fine arts there was no taboo on learning these crafts and skills then there is another evidence uh, from the hindu temple i study the hindu uh, temple the hindu architecture uh, and that's why i bring in a lot of uh, examples from that uh, there were a lot of people involved in this culture uh, that was being carved on almost every uh, available surface on the outer walls of uh, a hindu temple uh, there were a lot of uh, craftsmen involved in even creating the architecture that uh, uh, gave us millions of uh, uh, good examples of uh, hindu temples they were not all brahmins only the pradhan shilpi only the main architect they were brahmins only a few people who were engaged in rituals uh, before the temple was actually built uh, they were brahmins uh, the craftsmen the sculptors were virtually all what you would classify now as shudras the uh, people who uh, created these temples actually created the beautiful beautiful images of uh, our deities our devtas they were all shudras and they were not prohibited from creating those uh, uh, murtis creating those vigra- vigrahas so these two uh, examples tell us that even in ancient india the artisans and craftsmen they were not prohibited from learning anything so we can what we now consider is what we now classify as vocational training let us be very clear about it that vocational training was not considered education in the sense in the sense of the vedic studies and they were not prohibited to anyone uh, now the question comes to i will also discuss that uh, was it hereditary or not in a bit now we'll discuss the issue about were the vedas prohibited to uh, um, shudras or to other varnas in this we have to uh, say that yes they were prohibited not everyone was allowed to uh, perform a yajna uh, and not everyone was uh, allowed to in later stages some smritis also do record that not everyone is even, was even allowed to listen to the incantations or uh, the performing of these yajnas but before that we have to consider we have to rethink a question when we think about vedas uh, there is a Uh, a strain of presentism in all of us uh, and we tend to back project uh, the conditions that are prevalent today on ancient societies so we tend to think of the vedas as books four books but uh, actually the vedas uh, were not four books uh, because now they are of course recorded in uh, on paper now they are, uh, are printed and published and available for anyone to study but the vedas were not actually books they were manuals for performing yagnas they were a lot of other things but they were virtually manuals for performing they were formulas for performing yagnas and in order to do that you had to be trained in it for your entire life so the vedas were not books they were lifestyle and now we have to pay attention towards how is a lifestyle carried forward lifestyle is not something is not a fashion is not a hairstyle that you can take upon one day and when you get bored of it after two weeks let's say or one week and now in this age even two or three days uh, and you abandon it and you adopt another fashion 
culture is not like fashion culture has to be born not just your entire lifetimes but also uh, through many generations and so vedas were a lifestyle and they were carried forward by extreme discipline and hard work the life of the brahmins people see a lot of privileges that uh, uh, they say that the brahmins had a lot of privileges but they do not see uh, let us for a moment assume that they indeed have those privileges but they do not see what disadvantages did they have uh, in carrying this uh, knowledge tradition knowledge system forward they could not avail they could not engage in great trade yes they could grow some uh, vegetables and grow some food in their backyard in the land provided gifted by the king or some or uh, um, society civil society yes they could grow some food for themselves but they could not trade they had to beg for a living those who were employed in the pursuit of the great branches of knowledge they had to beg uh, they had to actually uh, get food from the society live on the mercy of the society yes our society respected them very much but they did not have a choice in what they ate and what they wore they just got by it was a very hard lifestyle and uh, uh, it was uh, carried forward the entire life i will just give you one example Uh, uh i did a study on a very ancient temple hoysar temple in belawadi uh, veer narayan temple belawadi many of you must have been uh, familiar with this uh, temple uh, it is uh, one of the most famous of the hoysar temples it comes into the belur halewadu and uh, belawadi circuit uh, i i became friends with the chief priest there he is my age almost my age and when i first went there i was very impressed that uh, how can a young man of uh, and he was very well versed in english and hindi and in the modern subjects too and he was there in that temple and devoting his entire life to carrying forward the puja the uh, uh, the rituals that uh, go on with an ancient temple and uh, he told me what he had to sacrifice in order to be there when the question of coming up he is the only son of his father when the question came up of uh, who would be the successor of his father the chief priest of uh, veenaran temple at pelawadi then Uh, he had to sacrifice a lot of things because he could go abroad he could get he had many offers he was uh, well qualified even in modern subjects modern disciplines he could take upon uh, take on any subjects and get a very plush job even abroad and or even inside india but he sacrificed all of that and became the chief priest in the veenaran temple pilawadi and i'll tell you what uh, what this sacrifice means it means that he can never now cross the boundaries of india because they go by that uh, uh, there there can be a different discussion whether that uh, injunction is true or not but they go by that injunction that uh, a priest uh, a brahmin uh, he should not cross the boundaries of bharatwarsh so uh, he can never go abroad uh, he always has to wear a certain kind of attire uh, he has to follow uh, a lot of rituals every day in his life that and those rituals mean that he has to be a swapaki for the days that he actually carries which are 99% of days he actually uh, carries the um, offers a worship in the temple he has to cook for himself and he, he even if he goes to toilet even once he has to uh, bathe again do all the ablutions again if he has to perform another puja uh, another worship in the temple and there are actually five worships every day in a temple and this he has to do his entire life it is fun when we go to that temple once we yes it is very spiritual it's very peaceful it's very calm but it's a, it's in a very very small village 
there are not more than 5000 or 6000 people in that village he has to spend his entire life there living repeating the same thing again and again and this is just the story of a priest uh, of course brahmins are not uh, the life of brahmins is not limit, limited to just priesthood uh, the other uh, brahmins who actually employ themselves in the study of uh, wholeheartedly in some certain branch of uh, indic knowledge system they have to follow even more rigorous method so this is how a lifestyle is carried so vedas were not books they were lifestyles and not everyone was allowed to carry it we should say that not everyone was capable or able to or even willing to uh, carry that and that's why a certain community was doing it now the question comes that it was hereditary it was birth based uh, birth based uh, distinction yes it was because there was virtually first of all more than anything there was virtually no other way to train anyone in anything uh because if you wanted to be a carpenter let's say uh, i am also talking about the other skills and other crafts if you wanted to become a carpenter there were no universities of carpentry where you could travel uh, in a plane by air or by rail or uh, by road and then go there reach there in one day or a few hours and uh, go to that school and university have a uh, 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 good life in hostel and lodging and then after studying it you could uh, land a job in a multinational company it wasn't like that there were no universities no colleges for these crafts and skills the only way one could learn a certain crafts and skill was to become an apprentice of someone who practiced that same art same skill now in most cases in an overwhelmingly large number of cases it was very natural for Uh, kids for children to follow in the footsteps of their fathers and forefathers because it was very natural they were growing up uh, watching their father doing uh, engaging in a certain skill it was very easy uh, to do it and so uh, that's what they did and if somebody wanted to do some different thing then he had to go to a person who was willing to take him as an apprentice and he would teach him for 10 20 years then he would come skilled in that uh, particular craft or particular skill this happened with fine arts uh, this happens with uh, with uh, certain artisans who wanted to learn a certain um, craft and for that they went to a guru and became his apprentice and over decades they became adept in it so it was possible to do that but we have to understand that there were no central universities there were no pet or iits ai or no sorting hat of harry potter where you could uh, judge the aptitude of uh, children that what is their what will they become when they grow up and uh, so assign a particular crafts uh, to them when they grow up and by the time they grew up they were already well versed uh, in some sort of a skill and most most people chose to stay in that uh, uh, craft uh, for the rest of their lives so we have to understand it, uh, that this was also the case with the brahmins they followed in the footsteps of their fathers and because vedic studies most of all uh, they required decades and decades of uh, uh, learning decades and decades of uh, of following that lifestyle and that is why uh, they had to be trained by the age of uh, let's say their training started by the age of 4 or 5 and it went on until they were well into their adulthood so it was hereditary it was birth based but there was no choice it was possible to break these distinctions we will discuss them later on but uh, this was the, for the majority of the population it was very natural sanatan dharma had the wisdom to 
uh, accept what is natural, accept what is common for a for the majority of the population, and they uh, they went along with that. They created systems which uh, harness this natural tendencies of people uh, the best. So now the question comes. that was the vedic knowledge we have now decided that the crafts and skills and vocational training these subjects were not actually prohibited to anyone but were the vedas prohibited was the vedic knowledge itself prohibited now here we have to make a very very important distinctions which is i think the most important point that i am going to make in this talk we have to make the distinction between the vedic knowledge and the means of creating vedic knowledge vedic knowledge was not prohibited to anyone we should be very very clear about it and i will illustrate with very powerful examples uh, in a few minutes that it was not prohibited only the means of creating knowledge were prohibited the means of creating knowledge were as we have already discussed it contained an entire lifestyle it contained training of decades and there was the danger of uh, misunderstanding misappropriating uh, the vedas and the knowledge that is contained in them and they that was potent knowledge it could not just be misinterpreted it could not just be left ununderstood but it could be potentially misunderstood to the detriment of the entire society and we are seeing its results now when people like uh, those who are anadikaris like sheldon pollock they are studying the vedas and they are dis uh, dismantling them apart Uh, our scriptures and they are dismantling it knowledge was not vedic knowledge even vedic knowledge was not prohibited to everyone and i'll illustrate you how from three very potent examples the natyashastra is a very famous text which now almost everyone is familiar with the natyashastra is a very famous text it is around 2500 years old uh, dr bharat gupji uh, uh, maintains that it is around 2500 years old and i tend to believe him so it is a text which speaks on not just drama or the art of theater it speaks very potently almost all fine arts in india arts and fine arts have to refer to the natyashastra one uh, at one time or the other it is such a potent text it has uh, seeds of everything else it speaks on iconography it speaks on dance and music directly then through these disciplines it speaks on sculpture it speaks on a lot of other fine arts so this natyashastra in chapter 1 verse 12 the natyashastra has its its stated self stated goal of taking the knowledge of the vedas to those communities which were not able to partake in that knowledge directly i'll quote chapter 1 verse 12 the natyashastra as the vedas are not to be listened to by those born as shudras be pleased to create another veda which will belong to all the varnas so the natyashastra the stated goal of the natyashastra is to take the knowledge of the vedas to each and every one how by drama by various means as we will discuss later on first of all by drama that great stories of the vedas the upanishad and other epics and itihasas they would be enacted again and again um, in society over the ages um, all over india the natyashastra took the knowledge of the vedas to each and every nook and corner of india to each and every city town and village of india by enacting the greatest stories containing the universal truth that the sanatan civilization and culture espoused in capsule form to each and every one 
the people did not have to uh, go to uh, a certain place to watch this theater this theater actually came to the people so that's a very uh, that's a very potent example about the natyashastra that it actually uh, took the knowledge of the vedas to everyone and very significantly it is called the fifth veda now the fifth veda is a very fluid concept a lot of uh, scriptures claim uh, to be the fifth veda uh, the mahabharata is also called the fifth veda ayurveda is also called as the fifth veda and entire discipline and institution is also called as the fifth veda i guess our sages uh, kept this uh, concept of the fifth veda fluid because vedas themselves mean knowledge and uh, the fifth veda they left the possibility Uh, yes everything was there in the vedas it means that the ultimate truth was contained in the vedas yes but they did not want to convey the sense that no other book can have the truth they did not want to claim exclusivity that's why they floated the concept of the fifth veda where a lot of scriptures not every scripture not every uh, text but a lot of scriptures they actually could claim uh, to be the fifth veda and natyashastra claims itself very very potently as the fifth veda and uh it uh, purports to carry the knowledge of vedas to everyone the second example is uh, as we discussed uh, just now the example of the mahabharata mahabharata is also called as the fifth veda it is a great it is an itihasa it is a great epic it uh, it has not only many stories it not not only does encompass the entire complexity of this great world this universe but it also contains all of the philosophies Now, all of the major strengths of hindu darshan of vedic darshan in itself uh, in bhagavad gita and also elsewhere too so and the mahabharata was not prohibited to anyone it was uh, enacted it its stories many of its stories were enacted all over india not only this uh, our poets our ancient kavis uh, they they actually created uh, great plays great dramas based on certain episodes of the mahabharata because the mahabharata is a great great text uh, it is not possible to play it in entirety anywhere so these uh, great poets uh, these sages they took these uh, particular example and then they played uh, through the agency of natyashastra they played this uh, knowledge uh, they took this knowledge to each and every corner of india and then i will also once again i will fall back on uh, the example of the hindu temple the very concept of the hindu temple is to take the knowledge of the vedas to those who were previously not able to partake in it directly uh, not everyone is able to chant the mantras not everyone is able to even uh, understand those mantras uh, directly even if he listens to them and so the very purpose of the hindu temple it is uh, quoted uh, at many places is to let those communities which were hitherto which were uh, not able to directly partake the knowledge of the vedas uh, because here uh, just like in a yagvedi you invoke a deity invoke a devta in a temple the murti is there in the garbhagriha the vigraha is there in the garbhagriha and when the priest invokes when the priest officiates between the devotee and the deity uh, i'll just explain the scene here that a devotee goes to the temple he stands in the mandapam just at the boundary of the antaral antaral is where the priest uh, officiates between the devotee and the deity and in the garbhagriha there is no one else but just the deity and the priest goes there to uh, offer puja offer worship and when he invokes the murti actually becomes the deity actually becomes the devta the shakti descends that murti becomes the devta itself 
and then the act of in the descent and ascent of uh, uh, shakti of consciousness uh, the devotee without actually performing all the rituals that were performed uh, in the vedas in performing a vedic yagna or even the rituals that go into creating a temple uh, on running a temple without doing that a devotee was allowed to partake in the divine ascent and descent of consciousness and that is that is wonderful this means that our sages were constantly thinking about uh, changing times and space and uh, they were constantly thinking about adapting the vedic knowledge the ultimate knowledge according to modern and contemporary not say, let's not say modern contemporary idioms and phrases and means and institutions hindu temple was such an institution and still those individuals and those few uh, communities they were not in, because the shudras were around at some time in our history they were around 80% of the population so of course not all shudras were prohibited from certain uh, going to temples but some community let's say due to uh, some historical some social reason they were if they were prohibited from coming inside the temple then the hindu temple actually invented a very very uh, novel method of taking the divinity to them there is a concept of utsav murti utsav uh, murti in a temple the utsav murti is a metal murti of the same deity which is virajman which is which resides in the garbhagriha this is a metal murti uh, often very very much smaller than the main vigraha and on certain time Uh, during a year sometimes in many temples it happens many times during a year a rathyatra is carried out where the deity comes outside in the form of the utsav uh, murti comes outside the temple and actually does the round of uh, the entire city entire town uh, rathyatra is not a peculiar phenomena of the jagannathpuri uh, temple rathyatra as uh, many of you coming from the south would know that almost every temple has uh, uh, conduct some sort of rathyatra at least once in their Uh, once in the year or some temples conduct it many times so once or twice or many times a year that devta actually comes out of the temple to give darshan to those few unfortunates who could not have darshan the rest of the year so while the rest of the year the devotee comes to the temple to have darshan of the de- uh, devta of divinity itself once at least once a year the divinity the devta himself comes out of uh, the temple to give uh, darshan to those who were because of certain reason excluded from this i do not know of any other system which is as universal as this i do not know any other system any other institution which is as sympathetic as this to even those who according to their own society according to their own rules are not living an exemplary life it is compa- compassionate even towards those we can agree on their rules or not agree on the exclusion and inclusion or not but it it made it created a system which was uh, which ensured that the vedic knowledge vedic uh, uh, tradition would be carried forward by everyone uh, would be taken to everyone so uh, taking these three examples we it is very very clear that the knowledge vedic knowledge was not at all prohibited to anyone only the means of creating knowledge the means of propagating that knowledge uh, they were prohibited once again i will stress that uh, propagating vedic knowledge did not just mean printing and publishing a book and recording it on a hard disk or a cd or a google drive 
and then just uh, forget all about it the vedas had to be learned they had to be memorized and i am not an expert in this uh, great scholars will tell you about it that how the the vedas the vedic tradition is carried forward forward through generations without committing a single mistake that despite all of the attacks on uh, india all of the islamic invasions all of the uh, colonialisms that plagued us for the past 800 years or so these traditions were actually carried forward by uh, by the brahmins now still you might ask that why wasn't everyone allowed to create those uh, uh, create the means of knowledge that would that charge is absurd because it amounts to saying that why aren't chartered accountants allowed to fly planes or this is like saying that why aren't hollywood actors allowed to operate satellites Uh, the benefit of the satellite is of course taken by everyone and uh, everyone takes a flight everyone can take a flight but everyone cannot be allowed to operate a flight everyone cannot be allowed to operate a satellite why it's very very simple this when you frame it like this it becomes instantly very uh, very simple very lucid because it is a technical job it requires experts it requires training training of lifetime not everyone can do it i would not in the world want to do something like that i am very thankful that others do it so that i can take benefit i would not to want want to fly a plane i am afraid enough to take a flight so but i want others to do it so i can take its benefit so the vedas were also like this they were technical systems of propagating creating and propagating knowledge uh, sustaining institutions which could do it and uh, not everyone was allowed to do it once again why why was it birth based discrimination why was it hereditary we have already discussed that there was virtually no other way but still you might ask uh, that what if someone uncomfortable in his varna let us assume for uh, that some individuals were very uncomfortable in their varna uh, as uh, as far as jobs are concerned as far as vocational training is concerned i already told you that it was possible and it actually regularly happened that people became apprentices of uh, other great masters in other great skills and jobs that they were performing and uh, gradually they became adept in it but most people followed in the footsteps of their fathers but while studying ancient in indian knowledge system we cannot pick and choose about what to believe and what not to believe if you are if you believe without fail that it was a birth based based distinction then you also have to believe another corollary of that belief system that ancient indians and we even modern indians also a majority of modern indians also believe in the theory of karma and rebirth karma and punarjan now there can be debate about whether it is true or not you can consider that it is entirely a lie it is fraud or it is hogwash yes whatever it is but ancient uh, that is a different issue but ancient indians did believe in the uh, theory and the karma and punarjan theory tells us that our our greatest desires in this life actually decide what our next birth is going to be uh, they create our uh, because soul does not take birth as gita tells us ego takes birth and we tend to take the form of the thing of the idea on which we focus on regularly and that's why it was believed that most people were born in their certain Uh, in the one which was suitable uh, in the condition time and place which was suitable according to their aptitude so this was the sorting hat of ancient indian society if you were 
wondering about that but even now i am trying to cover all of the objections even now if you think that uh, it may be possible that uh, some individuals may have committed some mistake uh, and they are born they are confused they are born in some other varna which is not according to their aptitude but there are stories there are great stories in the puranas which tells us that it was possible even in a single life time to change your varna if you are extremely incompatible with it it was not easy it was very hard it was definitely hard but it was possible and our sages our uh, rishis made uh, made sure that these stories would be propagated over centuries how i will tell you the most famous story the famous story of uh, sage vishwamitra and sage vashishta we all know it's a very famous story that vishwamitra was originally a kshatriya uh, then he once came uh, had a tiff with uh, the great brahmarshi vashishta and he got angry he had a temper he got angry that how can this poor brahmin uh, de- uh, deprive me of something which i want and what does he think that he has done so much penance i can also do penance it's not his privilege because he is a brahmin i can also do penance and he he went on he picked the right path he went on he, he had a great desire uh, it started off yes uh, his ego got hurt but he had a great desire to change his varna he wanted the privilege of being a brahmin if we want to use that word and what did he do he actually did penance for uh, years and years as the puranic story tells us and he actually became a brahmin he is accepted as a brahmarshi as a rishi as great as uh, vashishta true there are differences in their uh, tempers vishwamitra has always been portrayed as uh, one with an irascible temper and vashishta has always been portrayed as with calm and calm demeanor and very soothing demeanor yes but they were both brahmarshis and because brahmarshis they were also brahmagyan so it was possible for even a single individual to do so in in a single lifetime in the same lifetime but for that you had to have a great desire a great passion to do so and when you come to think of it even in modern society people who are born in wrong time and place of course we cannot choose where we are born and those who are born in wrong time and place they find it very hard to uh, overcome the circumstances of their birth we will take just one example of modern usa it is said to be the most equal society it is uh, even before the french they practice equality fraternity although in a limited sense uh, the principles of equality it is enshrined in their constitution and uh, they practice this they legalized it and uh, a society based on equal opportunities that everyone they are fond to saying uh, they fond of saying this again and again that everyone is born equal everyone is born equal and even in that society in modern in uh, suppose 2020 if you are born to a single mother in on the streets of chicago or city like chicago or detroit who is a drug addict 99% of the cases it is possible not only possible it's almost probable that you will also uh, turn out a drug addict a pick pocket or uh, uh, you will lead a very miserable existence a deprived existence for uh, uh, as long as you live and you will have a shorter life because you might be killed in a street fight now it is possible to escape out of that and there are great success stories they are fond of americans are fond of whipping these stories uh, again and again rags to riches story they are there but they are if you consider the percentage they are minuscule they are parts per million 
most of the people who are born on the streets they die on the streets saying that even in modern society even a society which is uh, built on the principles of equality and uh, which believes that uh, uh, everyone is born equal it is not very easy to overcome the circumstances of your birth so sanatan dharma understood it and tried to create a system which uh, supposedly made the best of it uh, now we have to question the very title of this talk because when we said that brahmins monopolize education in india at first we questioned the very idea of education that what do we consider as education and then uh, we actually have to pay attention towards uh, there is a basic axiom that uh, we assume to be true while asking this question and that axiom is not just about this question but about, about a lot of other question a uh, lot of other assumptions about the uh, indic uh, indian society vedic society that assumption is the assumption of equality people believe while asking these questions while asking while saying that there was discrimination in indian society people believe that equality is a universal concept so let me tell you that equal the concept of equality is neither universal nor eternal it the universal equality that they try to they cannot practice it it has never been practiced anywhere on earth but they try to practice try to make institutions and try to destroy ancient traditional institutions based on this idea this idea of equality is a late 18th century french idea it is neither universal nor eternal it is a product of enlightenment enlightenment in western europe and this principle has never been practiced in human culture before this uh, uh, principle is not practiced in nature there is no equality in nature there is no equality in human culture or human society the reigning principle in nature is hierarchy the reigning principle in all of the societies that were created on earth it was always hierarchy now when we talked that equality is just one of the principles not the overarching uh, basic principle it does not mean that you are immediately people start saying oh you you want to oppress people like hitler did they these are not just neat uh, boxes from that if you do not believe in universal equality you believe in oppressing people let me say this very clearly that discrimination does not mean dispossession that just because you are discriminating just because a society is discriminating it does not mean that it is dispossessing certain sections of society uh, and uh, engaging in violence against them discrimination can also be good there can be good discrimination there can be bad discrimination of course there shouldn't be a discrimination of the kind where uh, a society but uh, certain community faces a lot of violence and debilitating discrimination and i'm also not uh, once again not saying that indian society uh, that there was nothing wrong in indian society i do not want to paint a picture uh, which is hunky dory about uh, glorious indian uh, past ancient india there were a lot of ills in indian society and of course some communities got the short end of it of course some communities had a lot of uh, difficulties and the medieval times and even in modern times even during the british raj and we should do all we can to alleviate their condition to make their condition better to make uh, uh, to accept them better to make the rest of the society accept them better those are different issues but we should not back project Uh, the attitudes of uh, modern society on ancient society we should not assume that just because there was some discrimination in, in indian society the entire system was corrupt that there were only monopolies in ancient indian system this is what i am trying to say that it is uh, not right to base 
the reading of uh, ancient indian society on modern concepts it is not right to back project uh, modern concepts which are constructs of ideologies modern ideologies on ancient systems of knowledge because what do we risk from it we risk actually without understanding we risk destroying an ancient tradition of knowledge ancient knowledge system tradition is more easily destroyed than understood it is harder to understand it but it is easier to destroy it you just can choose not to carry it and it will be destroyed if sufficient number of people do not choose to carry it and by misunderstanding ancient indian system through these corrupt lenses we risk this we risk destroying ancient indian systems of knowledge at last i will just give you one example where we can judge whether uh, brahmins had privilege or not in the classical marxist system uh, they say that certain community a minority community created uh, a community which was minority in numbers it created a monopoly of resources monopoly of means of production and through that it created privileges for itself or its own community this is the standard uh, um, line of the marxist so if we uh, consider vedic knowledge as uh, this product and if we consider that brahmins did create a monopoly which uh, led them to uh, monopolize the entire system and uh, led the privileges to them if this was the case then assume that uh, as soon as you remove these monopolies what happens with privilege is that as soon as you remove the monopoly of a certain system uh, every community starts doing it uh, doing the job which was uh, prohibited to them earlier and very soon the privilege ends because everyone is creating the same product this happens with privilege now assume let us assume the opposite case that uh, some tradition is a burden to a certain community it is uh, it is being burdensome to them to carry it but they are forced to carry it and uh, let us say that when the when the monopolies are uh, when the rules are lifted when the monopoly is lifted what will happen in the case of burden that everyone will actually abandon and uh, doing it when we consider the case of india the case of vedic studies the case of vedic knowledge in modern india when the uh, restrictions were supposedly lifted when everyone was allowed to study the vedas we find that actually fewer and fewer people are studying the vedas that vedic studies are not exploding by the logic of those who say that this was the privilege of uh, uh, the brahmins by if that logic is true then vedic studies should have exploded all over india and the agraharas would have exploded all over india there would have been crores and crores of agraharas right now everyone would be studying the vedas everyone would be parting in, in that knowledge in that privilege but this is not so we see that with every passing years fear and fear even brahmins are continuing uh, the ancient vedic knowledge system and we are in danger if this is not preserved then in two or three generations it will uh, this tradition will almost disappear like it has in the rest of the world we were not the only ones we were certainly sanatan dharma was the best but we were not the only ones uh, who carried these traditions the pagan polytheistic cultures all over the world they carried these traditions prophetic monotheistic ideologies they came and they spread these slanders about the society and that's how those Uh, traditions were destroyed uh, and this is a very important point that looking for the modern evidence it seems uh, that carrying this uh, vedic knowledge system 
was actually more of a burden than a privilege for the government not a burden which was uh, uh, bitter to carry they carried it gladly i'm say i'm calling it burden in the sense that it was a very hard lifestyle uh, to follow to carry it was very hard to uh, propagate that knowledge system propagate it through the generation it was not easy and the evidence shows us that uh, once the restrictions were lifted lesser and lesser people are doing it and at last i would just want to uh, make one point about equality and discrimination that christianity islam and communism all of these three ideologies they came riding criticizing native pagan polytheistic polytheistic societies all over the world on the basis of discrimination they always if you see the atrocity literature that not just islam created but also christianity created that communism created all of their discourses even 2000 years ago is that uh, the native pagan polytheistic society is very discriminatory and there there are the certain sections of societies which are marginalized underprivileged and that's why we will bring equality now, all christians will be equal of course they didn't practice it but they claimed it and that all muslims will be equal and uh, if you just convert to our brand uh, then we'll make everyone equal islam came riding on the uh, Uh, principle of equality of course they didn't practice it there were a lot of inequalities in their society but they came riding on this concept they destroyed and divided pagan and polytheistic polytheistic societies on the basis uh, by alleging discrimination by alleging lack of equality so this narrative has to be questioned itself the very assumed truth the fetish of equality has to be questioned itself if we want to let alone preserving if we want to view ancient indian knowledge systems in their true sense thank you uh, here i end my talk thank thanks for a great uh, session uh, so the main uh, question what we would i would like to ask is see this use propagation around the chaturvarna system uh so that is what where this hierarchy and everything uh, uh, comes uh, where brahmins are projected top in uh, hierarchy so because of this huge propagation around the chaturvarna system the basic idea of why why should i study when i am limiting my provision to just farming or artisan skill so this itself limits uh, many other sets of people to just uh continue their uh, uh, family profession instead of indulging in the uh, vedic studies or huge great studies to pursue the uh, greater careers like uh, teaching or uh, medicine or other things like a priest or something so uh, so the entire uh, thing propagated around this chaturvarna chaturvarna system which itself uh, it's like saying by god god himself has said set these uh, things uh, this is what uh, widely propagated so how to counter this uh, allegation uh, if if you can phrase it again in one sentence your question that how to con- counter the allegations that are made on our society uh, that good people were not able to uh, able people were not able to pursue the profession of their uh, their heart in which their heart was set okay so i think i covered this in the topic itself uh, in the talk itself that for a majority of people it was natural to follow in the footsteps of their fathers those who did want to uh, uh, pursue another profession it was not very hard only in the case of uh, case of vedic studies it was hard there were prohibitions but in the case of other jobs it was not hard you could go you could go to a certain uh, 
person who was a good proficient uh, uh, in that uh, certain skill and you could learn that skill for uh, one decade two decades uh, it is very common it was very common for uh, uh, people who wanted to learn in sculpture to actually become apprentice for at least one or two decades for they would be just hewing stones large stones before they qualified to uh, finer carving and we still see people getting apprentice becoming apprentice of uh, great musicians uh, shastriya music is still carried on by the old shastriya guru shishya parampara people become apprentice so in case of these jobs in fine arts and artisans it was not at all impossible to do this only in the case of vedic studies uh, it was harder and in the cases where the job the profession was concerned uh, for what we call as in hindi panditai where the rituals uh, where a brahmin who is a pandit who is who performs rituals to earn his livelihood uh, in that there were privileges because that is like uh, a job uh, and uh, certainly they were uh, wary of other people entering in it so and that everyone uh, even the carpenters were wary of other people entering in their job they were careful in imparting uh, knowledge their skills their crafts to uh, the people that they wanted to so in the case of jobs it was not uh, uh, impossible it was hard but not impossible in the case of vedic knowledge to knowledge was not once again not prohibited but of course if you want to take up their profession then you have to have to adopt that lifestyle and it was not easy yes but that is not easy in any society even in modern indian society even in this everything goes education system that anyone can do everything what are we doing actually i just took out this data more than 70 to 80% students now are becoming engineers or doctors is it choice can we really believe that 40% of people are naturally born as engineers no they are not they are just following the trend that is in the society so even now they are we are just engaged in six or seven professions and people who are born in certain suppose if you are born to a great businessman but if you do not have business skills like anil ambani it's very hard to get out of that uh, uh, that system so you will destroy it you will be castigated by your brother by your father and by the society itself but it's not easy to get out of it even for those people those who are very rich those who are supposedly very uh, privileged in society so this always happens that you it's very hard for anyone to overcome the circumstances of their birth like i said i would gladly do away with this earning the livelihood business i am not a fan of it but i cannot because i do not come from a family from a tradition where it is easy so this is always hard there will always be some inequalities uh, of birth and that is a fact we cannot choose uh, our mother and father we cannot choose our parents we cannot choose where we are born so those inequalities will always be there there will always be injustice if you consider life in just one life perspective because supposedly there is a very great question very great philosophical question a lot of people a lot of philosophers pose it that there is a 2 years old child and he uh, he is traveling with his father with his mother in a market and then he runs away and is run over by a car then what bad has he done in just 2 years he's just a kid but still he died a horrible death so what wrong has he done so this there would always be injustice always be inequalities if you consider life in one life perspective so uh, this is a question which we do not have to either deny or confirm uh, one thing that i wanted to uh, warn is that uh, some enthusiastic hindus they start claiming that oh no ancient indian society was equal there was gender equality there was caste equality there was jati equality this was not so there was birth based uh, distinction 
yes the women were not equal but equality was not the highest virtue for ancient indian society neither was it for the entire world for the entire pagan polytheistic world this is a very modern uh, in in this form it is a very modern french idea and christianity uh, islam and communism also rode on this idea to destroy pagan and polytheistic societies we should be wary of this discrimination and equality business pankaj ji i have a question uh yeah. krishna saying that shudras are born from my thighs yeah and you know that that shloka from the bhagavad gita do you have a comment on on that that is used uh, very very frequently by the leftist narratives to to malign hinduism uh, yeah it is uh, actually it is more than sufficiently answered by great scholars so i will be committing just an audacity to answer to this but i will once again take an example of uh, the hindu temple the hindu temple has a concept like every other discipline of vastu purush the concept of purush is not just in hindu darshan it is everywhere in every uh, in every society uh, in every uh, discipline there is a concept of purush in hindu temple architecture there is a, there is the concept of vastu purush now the vastu purush uh, he is he does not uh, just lie there are many depictions of the vastu purush and his whole body is considered sacred once he has been pacified through invocation so the thighs are less sacred or uh, head is more sacred eyes are more sacred this is not considered while imagining while creating this metaphor of a purush uh, even in society or in other fields the thighs are not uh, thought of as uh, you know inferior uh, parts of a body and so if, because if you many scholars have answered this that if you cut off the thighs if you cut off legs uh, then a very good brain is no use of if all of the other body parts are taken out what can a brain do they have uh, supposedly preserved some brains in some brain uh, in various institutes of some famous personalities what what can those brains do so i don't think uh, they are misunderstanding the concept of uh, purush uh, of vastu purush in this Sir, my question is that whenever uh, we counter someone on the basis of this Hinduism part, they uh, tell us that in Artha Shastra somewhere it is written, Kautilya has written that uh, if a uh, uh, Shudra uh, listens to our context like of Vedas or something like that, lead should be put in his ears. That something is somewhere it is written. So, is it uh, uh, valid? thing or something within it uh, yeah actually it is in smritis uh, in some smritis they uh, uh, recommend very great punishments for shudras even if they listen to the vedas and so there were like i mentioned in the talk there were prohibitions even on listening of the vedas why because there was a very great possibility of misunderstanding those mantras and they were not just some things they were they heralded potent power potent energy there was not just this uh, possibility of misunderstanding a certain mantra in the vedas there was the possibility of creating great destruction i will give you just uh, one example hitler used swastik but then abused it in many ways uh, made it black made it tilted and look if you see it uh, from the perspective of shubh and ashubh Uh, it actually brought up a lot of ashub for him for his own army for his own country people for the people that he favored so uh, there was the potential of misunderstanding it and then there is the 
question of some smritis the later smritis becoming very harsh uh, against some sections of society regarding some things and uh, we have to understand that smritis did not have the status of sharia in hindu society there were many smritis according to different times and places and they virtually disagree on almost everything the only agreement that the hindu scriptures have is that you have to meditate and you have to <coughs> Uh, seek your uh, true uh, true form true uh, you have to seek self enlightenment ultimate uh, truth apart from that there are disagreements or virtually everything uh, but i will tell you i will give you one example uh, last year i i study happened to study uh, what our shastra say about women and it was true that even before the coming of islam uh, some smritis had started recommending lower and lower ages for girls to get married in the vedic ages even they could uh, uh, they could be initiated into the ceremonies in which boys were and the uh, uh, the age of their marriage was not that low but in later smritis due to some uh, foreign attacks perhaps not islamic attacks at first but other foreign attacks maybe they were becoming unsafe whatever the reasons but they started recommending lower and lower age for uh, marriage of girls sometimes even as young as not the consummation of marriage mind you that was always that is why the tradition of gona is always there uh, the marriage was always consummated when uh, they hit puberty a lot many years after they hit puberty but uh, yes the age was lowered to 4 years sometimes and in some smritis recommend as less as 6 years or 4 years of age now when you do this uh, you can forget about educating girls because in anything because if you are uh, just keeping them at your home for 4 or 6 years or you are uh, doing a lot of things then education goes down the drain a lot of uh, possibilities of education and there is also the possibility of them getting widows before even their marriage is consummated and some smriti said that uh, if the marriage is not consummated then they are not uh, uh, widows but some smriti is also said that if it is even if it is not consummated and the groom dies the prospective groom then they are they have to be considered as widows and it was a uh, bad life for them so in the later smritis some smritis you know are as old as 15th 16th century uh, certain portions of these smritis are so smritis do recommend some things which are not uh, feasible anymore i am not saying to uh, uh, re uh, you can say reapply the old system but i am just saying to understand ancient indian system in its own light what we do now is a different question altogether we can bring in a different system we can think about it we can consider it but uh, the ancient indian system has to be understood in its own light thank you i think i have answered your question sir i understood all of your points and uh, i agree about the fact that uh, there was possibility of corruption uh, of the vedas if certain sections of people who have not been acquainted with it learning it from their uh, childhood were allowed to allowed access to them so i understood that part however my question is about the hindu temple because uh, uh, you did not go into it at depth during your talk is that uh, if the hindu hindu temple the institution of the hindu temple was designed so that uh, uh, the divine could be accessed by everyone then uh, why is it that certain sections of people were not allowed into the temple is, is it a, uh, is it Uh, was it something to do with the social, the social, uh, some uh, social uh, circumstances, or had it something to do with uh, that uh, specific uh, uh, corruption angle of the Vedas, or something else altogether? Uh, 
no yes uh, this is a very good question actually uh, the vedas about the performance and listening of vedas it is very specifically mentioned that very specific that the shudras in total are not allowed to perform it but in hindu temple the shudras are allowed certain communities were not allowed and this these communities changed over time sometimes some community was not allowed at some other time some other community was not allowed uh, mainly the reasons for those communities which generally worked with uh, the uh, this leather and that was considered impure inside a temple so those communities who were uh, supposed to work with these uh, skins uh, they were not allowed these temples generally those kind of communities and then during the medieval ages various other communities were added to it uh, during the islamic invasions and so it it happened over the ages that even the hindu temple inside certain not the shudras mind you because we should not confuse that they were very few communities who were not in, um, allowed inside the temples but even for that they had the institution of uh, utsavon so even in that they tried to take the devta the divinity outside to what i meant was that you see when you uh, criticize certain commonly held opinions yeah the normal scenario is that you gradually deepen your criticism so yeah. in the beginning you attack certain well known claims yeah. but you still assume some of the underlying assumptions yeah whereas those assumptions should also be questioned like okay. for example the idea that christianity and islam brought equality you say yeah they brought equality but not in practice yeah, yeah they didn't really bring it but they said they brought it i disagree uh <laughs> they didn't even do that yeah yeah uh you see in christian society at the time yeah there was plenty of inequality yeah there was for instance the d- distinction between the nobility and the commoners yeah there was monarchy the church yeah. totally supported monarchy yeah opposed the french revolution among other reasons because of this yeah uh islam uh I mean Islam like Christianity had the idea that we are all equal before God all right but yeah. not before society and yeah. so in the Quran it is several times said explicitly uh that um well first of all as a poor man you should not make revolution to become rich that is fitna that is chaos yeah. but as a rich man you should also not reform society in such a way that you become equal with the poor because this is um ungratefulness to god he made you rich and you should be glad that you were made rich and enjoy it yeah because that's the will of god yeah. and so islam doesn't even have a theory of equality yeah so you see all this nonsense of emen roy and other yeah. secularists yeah. that islam you know was an anti caste movement or so no i mean of course they didn't have the specific inequality form of caste but they had plenty of inequality and they didn't care yeah they didn't care. yeah of course of course my suggestion is particular to the question of mr mukherjee regarding the he raised the question about the that was from the part of manusmriti chapter 4 where the punishment about the sutra is there but in the same book it is mentioned about the changing of their duties like the punishment is chapter 4 if you read chapter 5 in manusmriti this is a, there is an explanation where the varna can be changed a sutra can work as a vaishya and vaishya can work as a uh, as a kshatriya uh, and kshatriya can work as a brahmin so this interchange is there explained there so yeah. this i just want to add yeah. um, my question was on the 
permission of certain people inside the temple so as uh, mr saxena has explained this thing that the person who is working with the leather work they are not allowed to enter but in gita bhagwan krishna when explaining about the meditation he is yeah. saying that you can sit on the kusa mat or on the mrigachala yeah so if a person can sit on a mrigachala and do the meditation then why he can't go into the temple uh yes about this uh, i did not say it was justified i said that over time it happened in certain hindu temples in certain regions that they did exclude uh, certain people certain communities who worked with leather uh, or and there were other communities too i am not saying it was justified i am not saying uh, there are not contrary examples in uh, hindu scriptures hindu history but i am just saying that over the we also have to accept because it's uh, the evidence is in front of us that in some hindu temples yes some communities were not allowed inside even today we can see a few examples of that uh, there are certain reasons they they can be valid they can be not valid there can be different uh, uh, examples in our scriptures in our history but yes it happened that even in the hindu temple some at some at different periods of time some communities were not allowed and uh, i don't think we should shy away from this fact the thing is that uh, first of all a footnote to what dr elst said yeah uh, actually the catholic church in the 17th century i think in 1623 uh, had a bull papal bull which explicitly allowed converts to keep their caste practices yeah because caste was considered social and it had nothing to do with heaven or hell okay so that's yeah. a footnote to what he said yeah. uh, now the question is uh, out of four varnas three varnas are allowed to carry out vedic studies right now the question is in normal times not in emergencies in normal times is there any historical evidence of a kshatriya assuming brahmin occupations or a vaishya assuming brahmin occupations because all of them are eligible for vedic studies so theoretically if somebody a kshatriya had aptitude for this uh, vedic ritual yeah. then he should be able to become a brahmin is there any historical evidence of this Uh, i in this we have to consider what we consider as history and what as mythology if we consider the story of vishwamitra's history we can consider that as a very good example of uh, yes people can change if we do consider it mythology then also we can say that our sages at least were saying that uh, this can happen uh, about the historical examples there have been ks lal has given a lot of has done a good study during the medieval ages in which people uh, in varnas were changed over time it was not specifically that a person or an entire community it was maybe possible for an individual to start thinking uh, that i do not belong to this varna or other varna but it was not possible and it was not natural for entire communities to start thinking from this day we are you know moving into another varna so it gradually happened that some kshatriyas fell down to the status uh, uh, of different varnas and then some became kshatriyas later on and i guess that similar uh, things must have happened to brahmins too because in modern india many scholars point out that in modern india the number of brahmins that we have now it is uh, much larger than uh, it was uh, in uh, ancient india or even in medieval india so the change uh, certainly happened it was not easy it was hard but the changes did happen over time the uh, one uh, one constant about sanatan dharma is that uh, that's why they never created one single smriti that they they understand this our sages understood this that over time you have to change laws according to time and place and attitudes and uh, there were different smritis in different times different laws in different times 
as i said if you uh, read the work of uh, uh, dr p v kani they agree on virtually nothing uh, except the uh, our uh, smriti cards they virtue they agree on nothing except the uh, one injunction that you have to find your true identity you have to go after the ultimate truth everything else is uh, there are lots and lots of my question requires a little bit uh, discussion or background uh, in the matter uh, let me narrate the question first my question is uh, when exactly the when exactly the uh, uh, different uh, uh, that the difference between a varna and caste appeared now the background uh, discussion is uh, in ramayana there are two incidences where uh, shudra was uh, uh, one uh, uh, one incident you mentioned about vishwamitra he was kshatriya but became a brahmin why is the hard work why is hard work he became a, a rushi or brahmin in another case uh, uh, one uh, kshatriya was cursed and uh, he became a shudra he was cursed by uh, the vasishta's son uh in ramayana also somewhere it uh, the the uh, banya caste and uh, some other caste are mentioned mm. so in ramayana period varna and caste both uh, existed together uh, my question is at which at what level these two things differentiated uh see if you are asking about uh, chronology i don't think i am the right person to answer this because many great scholars are working on chronology i generally uh, try not to study chronology and rather pay attention towards uh, uh, what ancient indian society as total meant so i am uh, because i have not studied it so i think that other scholars who are there are various scholars right now who are working on chronology very well and uh, they are just very technical debates so i think this question you would be better to put up to them someone uh, who's asking uh, suma shishadri ji that why can't Uh, vedic education be mainstreamed and uh, made part of the schooling system i'll just quickly explain this is not relevant to this talk but this is a problem related to the articles 25 to 30 of the indian constitution that anywhere where the state uh, touches uh, you know with via money coming in either in land or in teacher salaries or anything like that the state being a secular state cannot bring in any religious education all our shastras all our itihasas even the bhagavad gita or the ramayan everything at all even dhanur vidya for example everything is classified as religious texts and because of that it cannot be allowed uh, into the regular school curriculum that's the general uh, problem which is of the brought by the constitution constitution and you know therefore this is actually a um Uh, we live in an apartheid nation actually <laughs> where the majority is discriminated against so this is the entire uh, hindu charter movement if you follow uh, nageshwar rao ji on twitter you will learn a lot more about this uh, thank you ji now coming back to the original theme of this uh, talk that education was available for everybody uh, you refer to that beautiful tree by sri dharampal yeah i think that uh, i have to have gone and uh, i would like to validate my assumption that my assumption is see india was economically a very strong successful nation for thousands of years and if i look at it since i am from engineering and corporate background one of the foundations of that is education and training and this caste system as you rightly pointed out gives this apprenticeship 
and apprenticeship for any individual in the caste system or indian system started at a very young age the boy will learn the skill at a very very young age which means by the time they come to the youth or uh, to the thing of product, occupancy or productivity they are highly highly skilled people so that's why india could produce a very very highly skilled labor which was unbeatable across the world so that was the foundation of our economical power Yeah. so my question is is my assumption or understanding correct or would you like to add something here pankaj ji uh, great dr shri r vedanathan has covered this very very well in his books and he validates this he says that in politics caste divides now in modern india caste divides a lot it creates violence yes but in economics in economy Uh, it actually is a boon because uh, caste community based groups finance these uh, uh, the new startups new entrepreneurs and they actually without having to go to the banks without having to take loans from the banks uh, they can actually become good entrepreneurs another part of that is that uh, when you take uh, a loan from a bank uh, the bank insider bank employees regularly tell me that uh, 50% of the people at least who come to a bank when they are taking the loan they know that they are not going to pay back even those the bank employees who are giving them loans small loans that they know that these loans will not be paid back and some other government will come which will waive off all of these loans so taking loans from the government actually fosters a very lazy not just lazy a psychophant uh, 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 you know an attitude of uh, becoming a leech on the government and just taking money from them and just spending some years on that and then taking another loan and then uh, declaring yourself bankrupt but a community based banks that the corporate banks the community based financial systems they are actually very good in not just uh, encouraging startups and individuals individual entrepreneurs but also in uh, held, holding them accountable to their responsibility towards society and to the lenders so that's very true and uh, vedanathan ji has done a very good we have also organized a talk at ais indus and he has done a very good study about this you should read caste as social capital if you haven't already and he is a master of that he has covered it very very well brilliant i have learned so much in this one video i am regretting not having you earlier ji <laughs> <laughs> this is about you know uh, the doctrines of buddhism and the influence of buddhism on this entire caste system because it is talked much in the context of caste so in buddhism along with right thought and uh, right action and so on there is also the notion of right livelihood so if there is a right livelihood then there must be wrong livelihoods too so for instance hunters and fishermen and people who trap animals i mean butchers these people could be considered having wrong so called wrong livelihoods yeah. do you think that has also contributed because in japan we do see a community called burakumin who are similar to untouchables and they also have uh, you know followed traditionally these types of professions do you think there is some influence there uh, actually there is i think uh, he was here but he has disappeared now uh, sir uh, dr elst is here and he has done wonderful studies he has written papers he has uh, delivered talks on the specific question of buddhism and whether buddha endorsed or opposed revolted against hindu society or endorsed it and he uh, he actually gives uh, i would not dare to open my mouth in front of him on this topic because he has actually done a very good study on it and but whatever i understand he uh, uh, and whatever i understand also from shri arvindan neelkandan ji 
he also says that it might be possible i am not because i haven't studied uh, the social developments of buddhism and jainism and the impact of buddhism reverse impact of buddhism and jainism on hindu society that uh, but he uh, he has said uh, that uh, it may be possible that uh, the extreme uh, non violent and uh, sattvic qualities that uh, jainism specifically espoused it may have had some reactions uh, in hindu society but uh, i think dr ras is here he would be much better able to answer this thank you